You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. How we doing? Everybody good? Good, good. Uh, hey, before we jump into the message today, I uh, wanted to mention a couple of things to you. One of those is about our Christmas Eve services. Um, if you haven't heard, we're having two. We'll have one on Wednesday night, uh, the 23rd at, I believe it is um, 6 o'clock, 6.30. Is that right? 6.30, thank you, I just work here. Um, and so at 6.30 on Wednesday, um, and then on Thursday the 24th, we're having one at five o'clock. We're very excited about uh, these services. Um, you got an invite card on your seat, we, we hope, and, and we'll be praying that you invite somebody uh, to these services where we're gonna preach the gospel and, and really show um, a testimony of some folks who've experienced the gospel and, and seen how God can take um, situations that were less than perfect, but turns them into something really great and even through those leads people to Christ. And so um, you don't wanna miss this. And, and if you've got somebody that you know who's far from God, who um, you, you, you know, maybe you've been praying for them, invite them to this service uh, one of these, on one of these nights because we believe that God is going to do some incredible things through uh, what he's put in our hearts to do on those nights. The second thing is that next Sunday, we're having one service again. It'll be at 11 o'clock, okay? So we're just trying to confuse you as much as we possibly can. All right, so this week it was one service at nine, next week it's one service at 11. Um, and so if, if you uh, can make plans for that, it's gonna be awesome, um, looking forward to it. It's gonna be a good time and, and bring someone. Uh, it doesn't have to be Christmas or Easter for us to bring people with us to church, so bring somebody with you to church. The last thing I wanna talk about, and I wanna brag on you for just a moment and, and on what God has done through you is uh, about this service day. I want you to understand that we have never seen an outpouring of love from you the way we've seen it in the last few weeks. We have provided over 900, almost 1,000 presents for children who would have otherwise not had Christmas. We're also doing several hundred meals for people who otherwise would maybe would have not had a Christmas dinner. And here's the thing that I wanna encourage you with, is that when we're generous the way you've been generous, Jesus is glorified. And when Jesus is glorified, people come to know him. When he's exalted, when he's lifted up, he draws people to himself. And I just want to say thank you to all of you because of your generosity and what the impact is going to be in the community and in these people's lives. And we can talk about the big numbers and we can talk about all of the presents and all of the meals, but the number that matters is one. The number that matters is one. It's the one person who has a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And it's the fact that we're going to impact that life and then the next life and then the next life as till people come to know him until the kingdom of God is growing exponentially. Because one of the things we have to realize as a church is that God's called us to multiply. He's called us to be disciples who make disciples. And what you've done in the last few weeks is going to do that. It looked like Toys R Us in this office for the last few weeks. It's been absolutely incredible um, to see that. And so thank you very much for all you've done 
and all you continue to do. We had 104 people show up at seven o'clock this morning to prepare meals. Um, and so if you've been a part of that, thank you. Um, it's gonna be a great day and God's gonna be glorified. I believe God's gonna speak to us through his word. And so let's get ready to do that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians chapter two. Um, we're gonna look at a couple of verses today here and, and may look at a couple of others uh, elsewhere. But um, I want you uh, today to, to be encouraged by what we've already seen happen, but also want us to be challenged by what lies ahead and what's to come. And the book of Philippians, Paul, the apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians uh, to the Philippians, and he wrote this book to them, uh, and he had very good memories of the Philippians. He had a rough time in Philippi when he went in and planted this church and began to minister to these people. Um, it, it, he had a rough time uh, being persecuted, but he also had very fond memories of the church in Philippi, and, and he wrote this letter from a prison cell, a Roman prison cell, not knowing if he was going to live or if he was going to die. And so as we read these verses and we talk about this today, keep that in mind that this is the, the mindset of Paul as he's writing this, that he doesn't know if he's gonna live, if he's gonna die. He, he, he's praying with everything in him that the Philippians hold on to their faith. He's praying that um, the deceitful people don't come in and try to, to lead them away from the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone. He's praying all of these things, but it's a time of uncertainty, but he realizes that, uh, you know what? I've given my life to this. I've given my life. I've given my all. Um, he tells Timothy later, um, who was like his spiritual son in the Lord. He tells him that I fought the good fight. I've run the race. He, he's done all of these things. And, and now we're going to read um, something here and, and talk about something here that I feel like is pretty awesome. It's pretty important for us to see. It says in Philippians chapter two, verse 16, the second part of verse 16 there. It says, and then I, meaning Paul, then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Remember, he doesn't know if he's gonna live, if he's gonna die. He doesn't know if his ministry's coming to an end. But what he tells us is, on that day, I'll be able to boast that I did not run or labor in vain. Before this, he's talking about the, Corinth, or the Philippian church and telling them to be of one mind, to be of one accord, to love one another, to stand firm together. And he's saying, if you do this, then I know I will not have run or labored in vain. And listen to this, but he says, even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, proclaim it. I thank you for the opportunity to hear it. God, I pray that it comes with the power of which it possesses, the power of the Holy Spirit, that it comes living and active, that it pierces to our hearts, that it pierces to our motives, that it leaves our hearts open, and God, that you would fill them. Fill them with the power of your presence, and God, do what only you can do, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Well, for many of you, you've been around here long enough to know and to have heard me talk about some of my not-so-glory days of playing uh, Georgia Southern baseball. Anybody heard me talk about that? You've probably heard me talk about some of that stuff. Yeah, um, and, and it was like this. It was I went to play baseball at Georgia Southern. I ended up watching a lot of baseball at Georgia Southern. That's kind of how it went. And uh, so I spent a lot of time on the bench. Um, I spent a lot of time, I just had good seats. That's basically what it comes down to. Um, and so I watched a lot of, of ball and, and, uh, and, and I, I, I honestly kind of got bored because there was no chance I was going in. The first two years I was at Georgia Southern, they let me hit three times and these were in games that we were up by at least 15 runs. And so had 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 not hardly played. And so I was like, well, I need to do something. I, I feel like I'm not really contributing. And so what I started doing is as I would sit on the bench, I'd watch the other team. And many times the other team's coach would call pitches. He would relay pitches to their catcher who would then give the signals to um, the pitcher. And so he's doing all this stuff, you know, touching his face and picking his nose and doing all these different things to, to try to give the, the catcher the signal. And I was like, well, maybe I can figure out what pitches he's calling and then I can tell our hitters what he's doing. And so I would sit there and I would try to steal the signs from the other coach. And it got to be where I ended up being pretty good at this, right? I ended up being pretty good at picking up the signals from the coach to the catcher. And then I would relay that to the first base coach. And then he would tell our hitters by calling uh, out different signals to tell them what pitch was coming. Now, if you've ever played baseball, especially at that level, when people are throwing 90, 92, 93, 94 miles an hour, it helps helps tremendously to know what pitch is coming. And so I figured out I can help our team if I do this. If I go in and I begin to pick up these signals and I begin to help relay these signals in, then, then, then our hitters know what's coming. And it made a difference for us. Like we, we were able to see our hitters, they were up there and they were just kind of like this, right? Waiting on the pitch to come because they knew what was coming. And, and I remember um, one time specifically, we were down by a run in the last inning. Um, one of our best hitters was up and I told him what pitch was coming. The next pitch, he just hits it. It goes out by several um, thousand feet, I think, because he killed it. And, and, you know, we end up winning the game. It was what they call a walk-off hit, right? It's where the last hit, the last swing of the bat won the game. And so everybody's jumping on him and I'm kind of like, hey, what about, what about me? What about me? Right? What about me? And, 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 and the thing I realized in that is that it wasn't very glamorous. It wasn't something that people came up to me after the game and were going, can we have your autograph? Because the way you steal those signs is amazing, right? Nobody ever did that. Nobody ever said, wow, man, that was a great job, you know? Um, and not even our teammates. Um, but anyway, I was just sort of there, right? Um, just that place on the bench. And so um, anyway, I would, I would do that and I would help, but it wasn't something that brought a lot of attention. It wasn't something that was very glamorous. It wasn't something that people wanted uh, to get my autograph because of, uh, but it was something that helped out the team. It was something that was seemingly insignificant, but made a big difference. I want you to see today, and I want you to understand that many times God calls us to do things that are seemingly insignificant, but that insignificant, but make a huge 
difference in the kingdom of God, that make a huge difference in the lives of people, that makes a huge difference in whether the kingdom grows or whether the kingdom stays the same. I want you to see this because I see in the church, I see in people's lives, I can see it in people's eyes, I can see it in people's demeanor, I can see it in people's motivation and how they act even in church, that many times we feel like the things that God's called us to do or the things that are before us, the thing that our hand finds to do at that moment is insignificant, that it doesn't make a difference. And in these verses, Paul talks about this. He says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. He uses this, this analogy that is kind of easy to slip by, that's kind of easy to skip over, but he compares his life to a drink offering. Now, a drink offering was something that was done in the old Israelite sacrificial system. And stay with me here because this is important. It was something that was done when the sacrifices were made. Every day, they would sacrifice a lamb in the morning. They would sacrifice a lamb in the evening. This was to atone for or to, to, to give them forgiveness for their sins. It all points to Jesus and the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. But Paul says, if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, this drink offering was something that would be seemingly insignificant in comparison to the other offerings that were made. But the, the, the reality of it was, and the thing that I want you to see in this, is that this drink offering that was just a cup of wine that was poured out on this sacrifice, it was the very last thing that was done. It was a very small thing that was done. But it was very significant because without this drink offering being poured out, without this thing being done, the sacrifice was considered incomplete. The sacrifice was considered um, to to not be finished. The sacrifice was considered to, to not be a fulfilling worship, what God had called it to be, what God had called it to do. And so this was something that seemed insignificant, but that was very important. And Paul tells us and tells the Philippians, even if my life is nothing more than this little drink offering being poured out on the sacrifice of something larger and something greater, then I rejoice. Why? Because it's going to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And so I want you to see, people, that many times God calls us to do things. He calls us to take steps of faith. He calls us to serve in ways that don't seem great. Like we look at the preacher and we think, well, if I were doing that, then yeah, I'd have a great purpose in the kingdom. But what you don't realize and what people don't realize is that it doesn't matter what I do up here or what whoever is preaching up here does. If the body is not being the body, it doesn't matter because the church is called to be one body together, all together being built up to glorify Jesus in how we interact, in how we serve, in how we go about our life. It doesn't mean that you stand under lights to have value. You have value because God tells you you have value. You have a purpose because God has given you a purpose, even when to us it seems small and insignificant. And I want you to see, I want you to understand because so many times we, we miss this. We miss the power of one prayer. We miss the power of one handshake in the hallway. We miss the power of standing in the parking lot and 
waving at people as they come in. We miss the power of rocking a baby and praying over that child. We miss the power of, of sharing the gospel with five-year-olds who seem they aren't seem to not be listening. But I can tell you that they are because I have one and he comes home even when he acts as though he's not listening and tells me what he learned. It's, it's, it's underestimating the power of what happens when you begin to minister to the life of a teenager. It's what happens when you begin to help someone take their next step at a guest steps or next steps table. It's what happens when you, you go and buy, buy $100 worth of presents for a child you've never met, probably never will meet, will probably never lay eyes on, but in some way today you're going to impact their life by sharing Jesus' love. It's by going and carrying plates of food to people that are very different than you in a lot of cases. But that that one plate of food says something huge to them, that I matter. It tells them that they have value, that someone cares, that someone loves, that they matter to someone. But so many times we feel like our small acts of sacrifice, our small acts of service don't make a difference. But what Paul is saying is even if my life is nothing more than the finishing act on your acts of service and faith, then it's worth it. Because I know God is going to use it to bring himself glory and to advance his kingdom. I want you to be encouraged today that the things you're doing whether it's in your workplace, whether it's at the ballpark, whether it's here in the church, they're making a difference. They're making a difference. People are coming into the kingdom because of the things that God has put before you to do. And I want us to do this more and more. I want us to grow in this more and more. But so many times we see it as insignificant. So many times we see it as something that really doesn't make that big of a difference and what I'm telling you is it makes a huge difference. Susan and I, for our anniversary this year, we, we got to go on a cruise. It was a four night cruise um, to the Bahamas and I'm sure somebody's gonna say, well, it must be nice for the preacher to be able to take a cruise. It was, right? <laughs> it was awesome. And so put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? And, and, and here's the thing that, that I, I realized in this is, is man, we had a great time, it, but it was kind of an old boat. Um, and, and so um, I was just glad it didn't sink. And we, we walked onto the boat. We walk into this kind of central lobby area. I'd never been on a cruise before. Didn't know what to expect. It was so old that when we walked in, Susan looked around and she goes, oh my. And I was like, hey, welcome to your anniversary trip, baby. You know? And it kind of had that smell of like an old hotel room, you know what I'm talking about, that maybe had been smoked in 150,000 times and 10 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they kind of like they quit, make, quit letting them smoke in there, but somebody had smoked in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying smoking makes you go to hell, just makes you smell like you've already been there. And so <laughs> the reality is I love people that smoke. Please don't email me about that one. That was just a joke. I promise. Like we've had people on staff who smoke, right? So I'm not against smoking. Half our worship team smoke. I'm just kidding, they don't. But, <laughs> but anyway, I forgot where I was. On the boat, we're on a boat. And so we're on this boat 
and, uh, and we had a room and our room had a balcony. We we're about 30 or 40 feet up above the water. And so I walk out on the balcony and, and the very first thing I had to do was what every red blooded American man would do as they stand on the balcony and they look at the water. I spit. Thank you. Like y'all know this, you get this. Like you just have to do it. And so I was like, didn't mean to do that to you. I just like spit on y'all. But anyway, I, so I spit and I watched this just go down and hit the water and then it kind of just, you know, drifted away. And I was like, that was awesome. Probably do that again later. And so, but here's the thing that hit me as I was, as I was doing that. And as I, as I watched my spittle go to the water, I realized like it didn't make much of a difference, right? It wasn't like the water rose or the ship shook or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? It was just sort of like, whatever. Like the ocean didn't change because of it. And a lot of times I feel like that's how we feel about our life. I know this is how we feel about our life. That many times we feel like our life doesn't make that much of a difference. Think about it. The Bible even compares our life to a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And we feel like it doesn't make that big of a difference. But I want you to understand and I want you to be encouraged and I want you to know that your life is making a difference when you serve and you give and you sacrifice for Christ. It makes an eternal difference in the lives of people and it sends eternal ripples um, through heaven. It sends eternal ripples through the lives of other people as you have no idea the impact that this is making. One of the reasons I feel like we don't understand the power of the drink offering is because many times we don't see the big picture of what our sacrifice, what our service is doing. We can't see the whole thing. How many of you um, used to like to do, maybe some of you still like to do, it'd be kind of weird, but in case you do, it's okay, um, that like to do those connect the dot puzzles, right? The connect the dot drawings. Anybody used to like to do those things, right? Used to like to do those myself. Now they just give me a headache. But I mean, you would connect the dots and you would end up making a picture. Once you connected all the dots, it would have a picture there. And sometimes I feel like we can't back away and see the big picture of what our sacrifice and what our service is doing. We don't realize that what we tell you all the time, that every person has a purpose, is really true. That it really does make a difference because all we see is the one dot. We don't realize that it's a part of a bigger picture. And when you put your dot with my dot and your dot with their dot, and their dot and their dot and their dot, then it begins to paint a beautiful picture of Jesus that other people are able to see. But it takes every dot being in position, being where it's supposed to be so that people can see clearly who Jesus is. But when we do that, people can see it clearly. People today are gonna see Jesus because you were willing to be a dot. People today are going to see Jesus because you were willing to be that drink offering, to do that sacrifice, to do that service that nobody else is going to know about. But it's going to be a dot on this tapestry, on this picture that points to an incredible savior with incredible love for his people and for people who right now don't even know him yet. But they're going to because of a dot, because of a drink offering, because of a small sacrifice that's being poured out, that's being shared, that's being served, 
that's being loved. It's gonna change people's lives. What you're doing is changing people's lives. What you're doing day in and day out, every Sunday, is changing people's lives and people's hearts and people's minds. I think another reason that we sometimes hesitate to be the drink offering is because oftentimes what we do is we judge things by the world's standards. See, to the world, this is what um, great is. Great is dependent upon the size of your accomplishments, right? Great is dependent, like, they're not gonna put me in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Why, the size of my accomplishments were very small. We celebrate the people who make great accomplishments. The world tells us that if we're gonna be great, if we're gonna be significant, if we're going to matter, then the reality of it is what we have to do is we have to do something great. We have to accomplish something great. But this is what God says great is. God says that greatness is faithfulness. It's to do the thing that he put before you. So that when you stand before God, he's not gonna say, well, the size of your accomplishment didn't measure up. The size of your accomplishment wasn't good enough. He's gonna look at you and he's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant, because you did what I put before you to do. That's all that we're asked to do, is what has God put before us to do? Is it to shake a hand? Is it to carry a meal? Is it to work at a table? Is it to work with children? Is it to work with youth? What is it? Because this is the reality. Every person has a purpose. Every person is called to be a dot in the picture that's painting this picture of the gospel and of Jesus. That's what we're called to do and to be. So many times we just miss it. So many times we just don't see it. So many times we don't see how the sacrifice and the service points other people to a life of God. As I started studying this, I started looking at different places that this drink offering appears. The first one I came to is in, actually in the book of Exodus. It's in chapter 29. You can turn there, it'll be on the screen. It says in verse 38, this is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs a year old. Offer one in the morning, the other at twilight. With the first lamb, offer a tenth of an ephah of the finest flour, that's important, two lambs, then it says finest flour, mixed with a quarter of a hen of oil from pressed olives. There's another one that's important, oil from pressed olives and a quarter of a hen of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. And so what he's prescribing here, what God is giving us here is he was giving the Israelites this sacrifice that they were to make and I want you to see this, that every word of God, everything in the Bible points us to Jesus. It points us to the person of Christ. And when we look at this in scripture, I want you to see that this drink offering and this sacrifice pointed people to Jesus. Every aspect of it points us to Christ. The first one is the lamb that would be sacrificed. When John the Baptist was baptizing, that's how he got his name, um, he was baptizing, and he, he, he looks up, he sees Jesus coming, and he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he was clear to John. It was clear to those um, who followed Jesus when he was sacrificed, and, and they saw this, that he was the lamb. He was the one that all of these sacrifices for hundreds of years have been pointing to 
and telling people about. He was the one who was to come. And so the lamb points us to Jesus. The lamb, it also talks about here after the lamb, it says the finest flour. Well, what did they make with flour? They made bread. And see, Jesus was the bread of life. It was the bread that represented his body. It was his body that took our sin upon it. And it was his body that was punished so we wouldn't have to be. And so we see the body. We see the oil. There was oil represented here. And the oil, always through scripture, is is oftentimes representative of the Holy Spirit and the spirit which Jesus would give us after he had ascended into heaven, after he had arisen from the dead and he ascended into heaven, he would send his spirit back to us. And then it says here, the last one is the wine, the drink offering, which points us to and represents the blood of Jesus that would be poured out for us for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus even references this in Luke chapter 22 where he says, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he gave them the wine to drink. And so when you see this, we see that this points us to Jesus. And here's the encouragement I want you to take from this. Just as every aspect of this sacrifice and this service pointed people to the reality of Jesus, even though it was a shadow of what was to come hundreds of years later. Every aspect of this pointed people to Jesus, just like every aspect of the sacrifice and the service that you do for Christ points people to the reality of who Jesus is. Every aspect of when we're serving Jesus, when we're smiling at people, when we're shaking and whatever we're doing in an act of service, whatever he put before us, whatever he's given us to do, then it begins to point people to the reality of something different because here's the reality of the world. That doesn't make sense to the world. To love other people more than you love yourself doesn't make sense to the world. To show kindness, to show mercy, to show compassion, to show love, to show grace doesn't make sense to the world. It points people to something bigger than us. It points people to the reality of God. And so we're called to do this. The last place that I found this and that I saw this, and this is pretty cool to me, was in Genesis chapter 35, if you go backwards a little bit more, you'll end up in Genesis. This is actually the first drink offering that was poured out. And I feel like it's significant for us to see because here's another reason that I feel like we don't understand our significance in the kingdom of God. We don't understand what God wants to do in us and through us or what God is doing in us and through us is simply because we don't understand our significance to God. We don't understand our significance to the kingdom because we don't understand our significance to God. We don't realize that God wants to use us. And I really want that to sink in. I felt like that was something heavy on my heart this morning. Because I really want you to hear that this morning. There's some of you who really, really, really need to hear that. That you have significance to God. That you matter. That God cares. Now listen to these verses. This is about a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob, um, 
would later have 12 sons. These 12 sons would come, become the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, the 12 tribes of Israel would become the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel. Uh, one of those tribes was Judah. From the tribe of Judah would come Jesus. Um, and so when we look at this, I want you to understand who this man is. Pretty important dude, right? And so when we look at this, um, go to verse nine in chapter 35 of Genesis. It says, after Jacob returned from Padan Aram, he had gone on this long journey to find um, a wife and now he's finally coming back. He had manipulated his brother. He had done all kinds of things. God's now trying to, uh, or is actually putting his life back in order. It says, after Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. And God said to him, I am God almighty. That's important. Be fruitful and increase in number. That's important. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. The kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you. And I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at that place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. So what did the oil represent? The Holy Spirit. What does the drink offering represent? The foreshadowing of Christ's blood. And it says, Jacob called the place where God had taught with him Bethel. Bethel means house of God. It would mean that this is the place where God met with me. And I want you to see in this the significance of Jacob's life. But I want you to see in this the significance of your own life and the purpose that God has for it. See, in this text, God comes to Jacob. Why did God come to Jacob? Was it because Jacob was so good? No. All of Jacob's life, he had been a manipulator and a liar. He had been someone who took from people, did not giving to people. And so was there some reason that God wanted to come to Jacob? There was a reason, but it wasn't something that Jacob had done. It was who God is. The fact that God is a God of love. And so he comes to Jacob when Jacob had no reason for God to come to him other than God loved him. Why did God love him? Because God loved him. See, God loves you, but why does God love you? Because God loves you. Not because of what you've done or who you are or how good you are. He loves you because of how good he is and because of who he is. And so I want you to see this, that Today, maybe you're sitting here, and I hear this all the time from people. They'll say, well, if I ever walked in the doors of the church, then the roof would fall in. It might. We got a lot of leaks. But the reality is that God loves to rescue people who feel they're too far from him. The reality is that if you're one of those people who maybe you just by chance Got, got, got brought in here, or maybe you've been attending for a while, but this hasn't sunk in yet, that God loves you, that God has a purpose for you, that even those things you've done in your past can't hinder God's love for you or his arm reaching out to save you. I want this to sink in for you today. I want you to see the significance that God has for you, the fact that God's called you also to, to give your service and sacrifice, not so that you will be saved or to make yourself good enough for him, but because you are saved and because he's given you his righteousness. And so I want you to see that, that Jacob had no reason for God to come to him other than God loved him. 
Seems unfair. <laughs> it's like, go to somebody good, right? Good in our eyes. But God went to Jacob. And it says in here that he told him, I am God almighty. I am God almighty. That's important. Why? Because in order to change someone's heart and to change someone's life and to change someone's purpose and to change someone's direction, it takes a powerful, almighty God. And I want to tell you today that you have a powerful, almighty God that can change the heart and can change the direction and can change the purpose of anybody's life. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you've done it with. I don't care how many lies you've told, how many people you've slept with. I don't care what drug you've used. The reality of God is this, that he is God almighty, El Shaddai. He is the God who changes people, who changes hearts, who changes lives. He's still doing it today and he can do the same thing for you. And he says, he's God almighty. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. Be fruitful and increase in number. What's he doing? He's calling him back to the very beginning of the purpose of mankind. He's saying, listen, you, your purpose, yeah, man, it was distorted, it was messed up. There's been some messed up things that have happened, but the reality is my purpose for humanity has never changed. Be fruitful, multiply, be fruitful and, and make disciples. Be fruitful and serve me so that other people come to know me. Be fruitful, make the sacrifices that need to be made so that other people come to know me. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, fill it with my glory. He's still telling us the same things today that we should be fruitful and multiply. What does that mean? It means we go and we share and we serve and we give and we love and other people come to know Christ and then it's fruitful, it multiplies. Then this is what I can promise you. When the gospel is preached, the kingdom will grow. When the gospel is lived out, the kingdom will grow. If we would do this, the reality of it is the kingdom is going to grow. The kingdom's going to grow. More and more people are going to come to know him. How? By us being a drink offering. You know what I am on Sunday mornings when I preach? Which some of you are like, well, you don't ever preach. Well, bleh, right? <laughs> but, but, but it's just a dot. It's just a dot. And God's called us to be that dot, to be that part of that puzzle, to be a part of that picture so that people can see it clearly, so that people can know who he is. The last thing he says is a nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will be among your descendants. He's saying, Jacob, as jacked up as you are, I'm gonna use you and from you will come the tribe of Judah and from the tribe of Judah will come the savior of the world. So yes, Jacob, even you, you liar and manipulator. I don't think he said that to him, but that's what I would have said. You liar and you manipulator. You are in the lineage of the Savior. And from you, the Savior of the world will come. And so he takes this man who had nothing good about himself, among him, about him at all, and he uses him to transform the world to transform people's lives and people's hearts. My favorite thing about this text, and this is where we'll wrap up, says that Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him and he poured out a drink offering on it. 
he also poured oil on it. He says in verse 10, God said to him, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. We see this representation of the blood being poured out through the wine. We see this representation of the Holy Spirit through the oil. And then we see in verse 10 that God changed his name. In the Old Testament, when you read this, and even in the New Testament, when you see this, the thing that had to do with a name change was it was an identity change. It was a change of person. It was God saying, you're no longer this, now I've made you that. And I want you to see, and I wanna finish with this today, that the reality of God, the reality and the power of Jesus is this, that when we come to him, and we come under the blood that was shed, the true lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, who poured out his blood for us, and we come underneath that blood, we come by faith to him, not by any other means, but by faith to him, then what begins to happen is our lives begin to be transformed. The oil, the power of the Holy Spirit comes into us, and God gives us a new name. I'm not saying that if your name is Steve, he's gonna start calling you Sam. I'm not saying if your name is Mary, he's gonna start calling you Meredith. But what I'm telling you, is this, that you become a new person. The Bible is so true and so clear in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And that is the reality of God. When we come by faith to the Savior and he gives us his spirit through that faith, our lives are transformed. Our lives are changed. And I don't know what lies you're walking in this morning that are telling you that you're insignificant, that your service or your sacrifice doesn't matter. I feel like I'm probably speaking to a lot of moms in here right now who feel like you're not making a difference in your children's lives. Maybe dads too, but I know uh, moms, you struggle with this sometimes. I want you to understand that you're making a difference. Pour Jesus into their heart, it will make a difference. I wanna talk to you if you're a connector and you feel like maybe it's not making a difference. I wanna tell you it's making a difference. Your acts of service and sacrifice are making a difference. I wanna challenge you if you're not a connector to step up somewhere and serve some way. Somehow, somewhere, some way. Because God wants to use you to be a dot in the picture that he's painting. And here's what I always hear. Well, why you always got to talk about serving in the church? Because that's what we do. So I'm challenging you. If this is your church, this is where you're going to call home, step up, step into what God has for you and be the dot that he's called you to be. I want to talk to the person with a past that haunts you. So here's the good news. If you've come to Christ, past is gone. It might still speak to you. Satan might still use it to try to control your thoughts. See, here's the reality. You're not defined by a divorce. You're not defined by sexual abuse. You're not defined by drug abuse. You're not defined by what your parents said to you or what they called you because now God's given you a new name and it's called my child. And so I want you to grab hold of that. I want you to see that. I want you to begin to see yourself not through the lens of your experience, but through the lens of God's word that tells you God loves you, that God wants a relationship with you and he can make you right um, by faith in him. 
I just want that to sink in today. I feel like that's probably the number one thing that people need to hear today. It's that you matter. Your life has significance. Paul said in there, if I'm being poured out like a drink offering. I've wrestled with a lot of stuff the last several weeks and even months. And the thing I finally came to the conclusion of, even if my life right now is being poured out as a drink offering, I'll rejoice in God. (laughs) Even if the little bit that I do is just adding to the sacrifice and the service of your faith and what you do, then I'll rejoice. And in the words of Paul, I hope you will rejoice with me as we go on this journey together. Being that dot, being that act of service, that sacrifice that brings other people to the knowledge of Jesus. And if you don't know him today, then this is what I believe. I believe he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's calling you to a place of realization of who he is and a place for you to take a step of faith and say, yeah, I want that relationship with him. I don't know what your, what your story is. I don't know if you've been in church all your life or if this is the first day you've walked in, but this is what I know. If you're far from God, God is trying to get your attention today. And so I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. If that's you today and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never said yes to that relationship with him. But today is the day that God has put it in your heart. and You know that he is calling you to a relationship, not church attendance, not Bible study. He's calling you to a relationship with him. Look at me, a relationship with him today. Then I want to ask you right now, right where you are, I want you to slip your hand up in the air and say, today God's called me. This is, this is the first time, but God, God is saying to me, I want, I want you to come to me by faith. I want you to be my child. Today's a day of salvation for you. Don't get sucked into this religious game. Walk in the reality of who Jesus is, the power of his presence. Last thing I want to pray for is, I want to pray for you, and I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads right now. We're going to wrap this up, but I want to ask you, if you'd bow your heads right now, is God speaking to you about your significance today? In one of two ways, maybe you've been walking in pride in some way, and God's saying, listen, it ain't about you. But I think even more so, Maybe today God's speaking to you and encouraging you that you have significance, that you do matter. God has a purpose for your life. I just want you to pray and ponder that for a second. And right now, if, if God's speaking to you about that in one of those two ways, this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to go to our service day. But would you, would you raise your hand up while everybody's praying? You just stick your hand up in the air and Let me pray for you about your significance. Okay, get it on up there. That's fine. I'm gonna ask those of you who are praying, you just just keep your hand up in the air and, and, and just almost in an act of receiving from God.
Those of you who are just praying right now, you pray for these people as I pray for them. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We lift up our hearts to you, Lord, the author, the perfecter of our faith, God. Strengthen our faith in you. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit in you, God. Let us see ourselves the way you see us, God. Perfect in you. Created to do the work you've called us to do. God, we rebuke Satan and the lies that he would try to tell us about who we are. And God, we run to your truth, the big T truth, the word of God that tells us accurately who we are. God, correct us where we need correction. Um, God, change us where we need to be changed. But don't let condemnation rob us of what you have called us to be and to do. Lord, we love you. I pray you'll wrap your arms around every person right now with their hand up who's calling out to you. Um, God, I pray that you would fill them right now with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that, that uh, their mind wouldn't get in the way of what your spirit wants to do and they would just trust you, God. They would lean into you, God. They would press into you, Jesus, and that your word would reign and rule in their hearts, Jesus. Would you do a great and awesome work in them? Would you do a great and awesome work through them? And God, would you let them know how much they matter to you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And as we go to do this service day, would you move in the hearts of people in a mighty way that they would see you, that we could be a dot in the picture that is the gospel and it is Jesus Christ. And would you just show people your love through us. In your name we pray. Amen.